Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Jack. Sports Jack. It's Sports Jack. And we've hit the record button for episode 263 of the Sports Yak podcast. You mean the Deion Sanders episode? Oh, Deion Sanders. Going prime time here, my friend. 263 career batting average for Deion during his baseball career. Probably better known as the football player, defensive back for five different NFL teams. He is the only man to have played in a Super Bowl and a World Series. Wow. That's quite an accomplishment, right? It is. It is. There's a movie on Netflix right now called Hillbilly Elegy. Am I saying that right? Yes. E-L-E-G-Y? And uh, my wife and I watched it uh, over the weekend, and there's a Deion Sanders reference in a collector's card store where they do the Deion dance. Oh, okay. And uh, so I'm appreciative of episode 263. I hope you are when it's over, too. <laughs> Family Broadcasting Corporation. Well, in association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. It's all the way. It is. Go. It's Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here. And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever. You know, I watched yesterday's sports-related tweets, and Ooh. here's what I said to myself. <laughs> I can't wait for Wednesday's episode for someone to explain it to me mm-hmm. because it got a little um, crazy and confusing. Yes. It, it was a very weird day yesterday. And the weirdness probably hit its peak right about 5 o'clock when the Atlantic Coast Conference issued a release um, quoting, quoting medical reasons as their reasons trying to protect the integrity of the ACC championship game. So what they did was they canceled Notre Dame's game with Wake Forest on December 12th. Now, remember, the reason that game was being played December 12th was it couldn't be played on the last Saturday of September because the Irish had COVID. So they canceled that game. They are not making Clemson play Florida State on December 12th. Remember, that whole fiasco developed. Florida State canceled the game three hours beforehand because... Clemson had traveled with a player who tested for COVID. They get in the plane. They find out after they arrive, indeed, the player has COVID. Florida State's point was, well, now how many people in that little flying tube that you came in are infected? And so they didn't play. Florida State pulled the same thing on Virginia 
last week. Now, I don't I didn't follow the Virginia story as closely. I just know that Florida State canceled just hours before kickoff. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, to back up onto this story, so Clemson does not, and Clemson had no game scheduled previously on December 12th. So the ACC has said those two teams are not playing December 12th to try to protect the integrity of the championship game. Couple things here. Number one, the ACC is trying to limit it to a nine-game regular season. Notre Dame was going to play 10 ACC games this year. At the beginning of the year, everybody was going to play 10 ACC games and then one extra. That was the South Florida game for the Irish. Now the ACC, because they've had to do so many COVID shuffles, shuffles, not to be confused with the Cupid shuffle, by the way, so many COVID shuffles. Harlem shuffle. Yeah, that they're limiting this to nine ACC games for teams. That's fine. Because the SEC is going to wind up playing nine games. So it, it kind of makes it, even across the board, maybe makes the playoff committee's job a little bit easier. Whatever the case, going to evaluate on a nine-game season. Well, if that's the case, Notre Dame is already qualified for the ACC championship game. They have the tiebreaker over anybody, even if they were to be upset by Syracuse this week. And that would be an upset of biblical proportion because Syracuse is 1-9 and nine and a 33-and-a-half-point underdog to the Irish. So even if they were to be upset by Syracuse, they would still be in the ACC championship game. Now, Am I going to read into it uh, when you started this story, the way you presented the word integrity of the game and the championship? Are you, are you thinking something's awry? Are you thinking there's something off i am thinking what they want to make sure happens they want to try to keep notre dame and clemson in bubbles as much as possible before december 19th so that everybody can be as healthy as possible okay the and not only is a bubble to protect you from covid a bubble protects you from injury as well if you don't play you don't have a starter or somebody like that get banged up before this epic championship game, which will be the biggest game in ACC history. There it is right there. This is one that people are going to watch, love or hate either team. Four o'clock, Saturday afternoon, December 19th. If you care at all about college football, you're watching that game. Who do you think will have that game? ABC. Okay. And they want to make sure that both teams are given every chance to succeed in that game. Now, if you were to put truth serum into the folks at the ACC offices in Charlotte, what they would tell you is what they really want is for Clemson to win a close game. Because if Notre Dame beats Clemson in the ACC championship game, Clemson ain't going to the college football playoff. And the ACC doesn't get two shares. They only get one. Okay. So what they really want to have happen here, and if Clemson blows out Notre Dame, then some people might make the case, well, maybe the Irish don't belong. I don't think that's going to happen. But 
the people in the SEC will say, well, A&M or Florida would be better than Notre Dame right now. I don't think that's true, but you would hear that argument. So what the ACC office really wants, Clemson barely beats Notre Dame. Oh, look how evenly matched these two teams are. Mm -hmm. They're both really, really good. They both deserve to be in the college football playoff. And let's face it, that's what the playoff committee is saying, too. You look at the rankings. Alabama's number one. And I don't think anybody that watches college football right now would dispute that. They are number one. Most people think that Notre Dame has created a little bit of a buffer between them and Clemson at number two by the very nature of beating Clemson earlier this year. Clemson number three. And then the hot spot is Ohio State at number four. And the reason Ohio State is a hot spot at number four is they have played four games. You have teams in this great nation of ours who have played nine games already. There might be a couple that have played ten games already. And Ohio State has played four. Their coach right now has COVID. And... The Buckeyes are preparing to play Michigan State on Saturday in East Lansing. And the reason they're so desperate to play that game is they want to get to six games so that they can get into the Big Ten championship game, get a seventh game, and then say, okay, we went 7-0, and we played everybody who we could play, and we belong in the college football playoff. But there's a little rub to this. However. (laughs) And the rub is the fact that Ohio State's biggest rival, Michigan, has halted activities in the football program due to COVID. And there is some question as to whether the game between Ohio State and Michigan will be played on December 12th. And if that game is not played... Ohio State can't get to six games, and if they can't get to six games, they can't play in the Big Ten championship game. And if they can't play in the Big Ten championship game and sit there having played only five games all season, does the college football playoff committee say, it's nice that you're 5-0, and but we just don't know that you've played enough games to really come into this playoff. Now, there is no minimum standard set for the college football playoff committee. There's there's no national rule that says you have to play this many games. It's based on the eye test. But in order to pass the eye test, you got to play sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. There is also talk, and this was brought up on ESPN last night by Talking Heads, and Kirk Herbstreet took a lot of criticism for this, but you know what? He's only saying what people are thinking. And here's what people are thinking. Michigan wants no part of playing Ohio State this year. Michigan knows it stinks, and they know Ohio State is really, really good. And they know Ohio State, and Ryan Day said back in the spring, if I could, I'd lay 100 on them. And they just might. And so there is the thought that Michigan's halting of its program is designed to avoid playing Ohio State. 
Now, that's a pretty strong accusation to make. And it's an accusation that can't really be backed up with any evidence unless you were to acquire the COVID test done to the Michigan players, Mm -hmm. which isn't going to happen because of all kinds of HIPAA rules. So you can't do that. So it's purely speculation. But the fact of the matter is that without that Michigan-Ohio State game, the Buckeyes are in a world of hurt. And boy, if you're a Michigan fan and you truly despise Ohio State, and every Michigan fan does, is there any better way to stick it to the Buckeyes this year? Because you can't do it on the field. You're not good enough. You can't do it on the field. So you say, all right, we're not playing. You're not going to the Big Ten championship game. You can't even call yourself the Big Ten champions this year, and we might keep you out of the college football playoff. That's one way to do it. <laughs> How about that for intrigue? That's what's in that back pocket of the khaki pants. That's the game plan. Ha- have you ever seen a college football season quite like this one? Well, and it's all due to a pandemic, but yeah, it's like making it up as you go. But that's the thing. If you're sitting there on that playoff committee right now, and I realize you're not, you're not the biggest fan, so this might be an unfair question to you. Because I'm sure, I mean, I'm a fan, and I haven't seen Texas A&M play. I, I've barely seen a couple of plays from Florida. So I can't really speak to how good those teams are, even though they're ranked fifth and sixth. But just as somebody who thinks in terms of, all right, what's the right thing to do? Is the right thing to do to reward a team that has played 10 games, lost one to a really good team, in the case of A&M it would be Alabama, or is the right thing to do to reward a team that won all of its games, didn't get to play all of them because of this virus, and because the Big Ten as a conference as a whole made a decision itself to not start football until the last week of October. How many of its games did it win? Four? Oh, or is that right now about? Ohio State is 4 and 0. A&M I believe is 7 and 1. Yeah, I it's it's lopsided to me. I go with the team that's played more games. I do too because they've been at risk more times to lose even though the winning percentage is down. But I can't speak for everybody on that committee. And remember, the president of the committee is the athletic director at the University of Iowa, which is in the Big Ten. So to a certain extent, I think he would be advocating for Ohio State because if Ohio State makes the playoff, the Big Ten gets a share of the money. Hmm. As we've said on the show many times, kids, follow the money. And that leads us in to why the NFL is playing a game between the Steelers and the Ravens this afternoon at 340. This was supposed to be a a Thanksgiving night game, right? Like the Thanksgiving night game. The prime time Thanksgiving night game was going to be Steelers-Ravens. Ravens come up with COVID. NFL moves it to Sunday. Then they moved it to Tuesday. Now they've moved it to Wednesday. 
and Baltimore still has players getting COVID. Two players. Now, you might say, well, two out of 53 can still play, and apparently the league would agree with you. Why is the NFL so hell-bent on playing this game? And again, I say follow the money. If you don't think the NFL Players Association, its union, is not pushing for this game to be played, you'd be sorely mistaken. And you might be saying, well, doesn't the union care about the health of its players? And they do. But remember, players don't get paid based on, if you make a $10 million salary, that's broken down, it's divided by 16. So if your team does not play a game, you don't get paid. And that's why the NFL is hell-bent on making sure this game gets played because the Players Association is hell-bent on it, and they want to make sure their guys get paid. Yeah. Now, you might say, well, why wasn't this game played in prime time tonight? The NFL will tell you the story that, well, they're trying to give the teams as much space between its next game as possible. And while it's only five extra hours, at least that helps. The real reason is because somebody at NBC called up the NFL and said, whoop, hold everything. You want to play this game on a Wednesday? And the NFL said, yeah, we are. Well, we've got the big Rockefeller Center tree special scheduled for Wednesday night. And we've been promoting this now for weeks. And we've got all these musical acts lined up. And we work with the city of New York and lining up police and help and everything. They're allowed to have people out there to watch that? That's interesting. Well, I think the police are to make sure people don't come out. And watch. Oh, okay. Nevertheless. Yeah. Um. NBC said, we cannot have this game in prime time, and this is our game. And the NFL said, how about 3.40 in the afternoon? 3.40. Well, there's no barely any fans, right? It's probably all well, no fans family or whatever, yeah. employees of the... You're not... You're, the only fans who are being disrupted are those who, I don't know, want to work for a living... <laughs> And then watch the game on TV. Maybe they'll even bring in backup uh, Raven Mike Franz uh, for the sideline fun on this one. Who, by the way, congratulations to him on his engagement. Yeah. Uh, apparently she never saw him out of the costume. hey Anyway, uh, so Steelers and Ravens this afternoon at 340. The Steelers were supposed to play the Red, uh, the Washington football team. Excuse me. <laughs> they were yes. supposed to play the Washington football team on Sunday. The WFT. Instead, that'll be played on Monday at 5 p.m. Monday at 5? Yeah. Okay. The Ravens will now play the Cowboys Tuesday night at 8. So, I I find this almost hilarious in that what are, what are we used to seeing on Tuesday and Wednesday nights in terms of football. The Mid-America Conference. It's Maction, baby. That's what we see on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And I think because Ben Roethlisberger, the quarterback of the Steelers, went to Miami of Ohio, this qualifies as Maction tonight. <laughs> sure it does. But 
I mean, the Baltimore Ravens are now, they should be an honorary Mac school because they're playing on a Wednesday this week and on a Tuesday next week. You know how many football games, by the way, since 1940 have been played on a Wednesday in the NFL? Uh, that was my next question. One. One year, the NFL, for some reason, opened its season on a Wednesday night rather than a Thursday night. Yeesh. Cowboys, I think it might have been the Cowboys and the Giants played on a Wednesday night to open the year. But other than that, uh, they have not done this since the 1940s. <laughs> Ironically, the Steelers have played 10 Wednesday night games in their history. Yeah. Or 10 Wednesday games. They probably weren't even night games back when they started playing in the 1930s. But again, you didn't have TV involved. And I'm sorry, you can't play tonight. Al Roker has to be out there with the tree in New York City. Nobody gets in front of Hoda. You know what I've been enjoying around the old office hallway is uh, basketball. A lot of it drifting through our hallways because of yeah. the, the games that we cover on radio. I bet you if you're an IU fan, you didn't enjoy yesterday very much. Ugh, Archie Miller. You got to do something with this offense because it's not working when you play somebody good. This just in, Texas is good, and they embarrassed Indiana yesterday, 66-44. to 44. So the Hoosiers, yeah, they'll be on 103.1 this afternoon at 1.30, taking on Stanford in the third-place game of the Maui Invitational. The Maui Invitational played in Asheville, North Carolina because, well, it's 2020. Now, the thing that people who follow IU have had to suffer through for the last couple of days is the TV broadcast, which I think has been great for our radio ratings because Bill Walton's doing the TV broadcast. Have you watched any of that at all? Only heard about it. Jason Benetti is the voice of the Chicago White Sox during the summer, and he is the play, a play-by-play college basketball voice on ESPN. And he's been given the assignment of working with Bill Walton. Now, Benetti and Walton have worked together before, so Benetti kind of knows what he's getting himself into. But it's very clear, and I don't know if this is a Walton decision or an ESPN producer's decision or even higher up among ESPN executives, but it's very clear that they're giving Bill Walton carte blanche to talk about anything And usually it doesn't have anything to do with the game that's unfolding on the screen in front of you. So what's frustrating, if you're an IU fan, you had a lot of new players out there on the court, including this Trey Galloway kid from Culver Academy. Mm -hmm. You'd probably like to learn about the players. As we're early in the season, they had only played two games prior to these being televised on ESPN. Maybe you're like Corey and... You don't have Big Ten Network or something like that to watch the games on. And you're not getting a whole lot about the players and stuff like that. You're hearing about Bill Walton's dog and him going to Vienna, Austria and following the Grateful Dead and things like that. Now, for some people, it's entertaining. For others, it's not. If you find yourself not entertained by that, 103.1 at 1.30 with Don Fisher. It's almost a slap across the face to the programs. You know, let's bring in an announcer who has not done the due process of learning about our teams and a 
a professional broadcast, just talk about whatever you want. Yeah. Ah, the ratings will be down. It's IU in the middle of the day. Who cares? I care. I, I don't think it's to drive the ratings down. I think they feel like he's outlandish enough. He'll say anything, and that'll drive the ratings up because wow. you tune in to hear what goofy thing he's going to say next. Doesn't necessarily work for me, but I'm not the one making those decisions. How about Boilermaker basketball? That was a much different story yesterday at Mackey Arena, where Purdue lit it up for 17 three-pointers in a 93-50 decimation of Oakland. An Oakland team that had taken Michigan to overtime on Sunday. Two days later, completely different team. Much, much like IU, IU Monday in the... Maui Invitational looked fantastic in its opening game and then spit the bit yesterday. While Oakland looked really good against Michigan on Sunday and couldn't guard anybody on Tuesday, and Purdue took advantage. Your boy Sasha (laughs) Stefanovic. My daughter's guy. I believe he hit six threes. Brandon Newman, kid out of Valpo High School in Valparaiso, played for Brock Kuhlman there. He had 21, a career high. Jay Nivey did not play. Uh, He's not going to play for a while, we understand, because of a foot injury that he has. Mm, Bummer. Micah Shrewsbury, one of the Purdue assistants, former coach at IUSB, actually. Uh, Micah said that, you know, they're resting him. And honestly, during this stretch that Purdue is playing, now, they might want to have him against Miami of Florida next week in the Big Ten ACC Challenge, and we'll see if he's ready to go for that. But you got Indiana State after that. You should be able to rest him for a little bit. They want to make sure Ivy's ready to go for the Big Ten season. Okay. Speaking of the Big Ten, they have four teams ranked in the top eight of this week's top 25. And Michigan State, like the Jeffersons, probably moving on up. The Spartans, who looked really good against Notre Dame last Saturday, and a lot of people came away from that saying, uh, Notre Dame, they're just not any good. No, here's the thing. Michigan State's really good. They went to Cameron Indoor Stadium last night. Now, I know the Cameron crazies aren't there. They're not hanging over the press row, and they're not they're bothering all the opponents so that you're not playing in front of any fans. But they went to Cameron Indoor Stadium, and here's the thing, Corey, when you go to Cameron Indoor Stadium, 99% of the time you have to play Duke. 99? 99. <laughs> well, because Kentucky and Kansas played there in the second game last night. Thank you. But 99% of the time, you got to play Duke. And they beat Duke last night, 75-69. Michigan State has players up and down the lineup. They have depth. They have size. They are physical. They are your typical Tom Izzo Michigan State team. And that dude can coach. And he can recruit. And he's got the talent to go down there and get a big win. And really... They have been as impressive as any team here at the start of the season. So keep an eye on them and the Big Ten. My goodness. You've let's see, you've got Iowa at three. They've got Luca Garza, probably the player of the year in the Big Ten. Wisconsin at four. Wisconsin just plays defense like it's nobody's business. They are not going to let you score. And they are going to hold down the tempo of that game and just grind you into the ground. And then you've got Illinois. They are ranked number five. So you, you take a look at Purdue and IU, and Purdue off to this nice start. They're 2-1. and one. IU's 2-1. and one. 
but you can understand why they're middle-of-the-pack teams when you look at the rest of what's going on in the Big Ten. The first high school basketball game of the week on TV 46 this Friday night. You did some scouting last night. Went over to Hathaway Shack, which is the name of Adam's Gym. And Adams was supposed to play Penn last night at Penn. Penn got the COVID over the weekend. So Monday, Penn announced they can't play. And Adams said, we really want to have a game before we play St. Joe in the conference opener. So they scrambled around. They found Bowman Academy, a really good 2A team out of the region. And God love Bowman Academy. They said, yeah, we'll get on the bus and we'll get on the Indiana Toll Road and we'll come down and play. Very sloppy contest. Adams led by, I believe, seven at halftime. And then they kind of erupted in the second half, broke it open to as many as 15, a kid named Karan Davis brought Bowman Academy back. He had 27 last night, but a very balanced attack for Adams, and the Eagles win by a count of 69-54. They've got a point guard who's fun to watch. His name is Quintez Columbus. 17 points and 12 assists last night. Um, Chad Johnson, I spoke with him after the game, and he just talked about how excited he is to get on the floor, and, and Tez shared those feelings, too. How excited were you to be out there? I was very excited. I mean, I'm telling you, just to be back on the floor with these guys after nine months, really not seeing them all summer, just Zoom chats and, and, and Google Meets, um, you finally got to get on the floor with them other than practice. It was just a really kind of took it in during the national anthem, um, thinking how special this group is to me. Man, they're real excited. Like I was just back to be out there with them and get uh, get planned for last senior year because you never know it could be over. Um, he's a just a quiet, explosive player. I mean, he doesn't say two words hardly, but his basketball game speaks for him. He reminds me a lot of his demeanor of Jerron Cornell because I coached Jerron at the end of his high school career. He's just really quiet. And he walks in, you walk in the gym. You don't know if he's going has three points. 33. His demeanor is always the same. It's a quality, quality player. And yes, Quintez Columbus is the engine that makes Adams go. But now they'll have to take on St. Joe and J.R. Kinesny, the Notre Dame recruit. And he's not alone on the St. Joe team, folks. Will Terry, Jack Fuda, they got some size on St. Joe. They have some shooters on St. Joe. And Adams doesn't have a whole lot of size. We'll see how the Eagles handle the inside game on Friday night. Should be a fun one. St. Joe is ranked number 19th in the coaches' poll. Adams is ranked 15th. That includes all classes in the state. So that should be a fun one to watch Friday night on 46. And, of course, we'll live stream it for you on Facebook, YouTube, and the IHSA Champions Network as well. 46 Sports Facebook page. You can find all the boys and girls Score 69-27, Penn over Adams, girls' yeah. side. Penn, Penn's ranked number one in the state, and they're ranked that way for a reason. They have a D1 player in Caitlin Costner. They have another outstanding senior guard in Trinity Clinton, Jordan Smith. Uh, Grace Adams scored 17 last week in a game at Fort Wayne Carroll. I mean, they've got weapons up and down the lineup. We'll see them December 11th take on Marion. Um, also on the boys' side last night, Elkhart gets his first win as a unified basketball program. They beat Washington in the season opener, 76-60. Skinny Rogers with 22 points for Kyle Sears and the Lions. Michigan City, Corey, here's a team to, if you're a high school basketball fan, 
and you want to see the ball go in the basket, go watch Tom Wells' Michigan City Wolves team play. They scored 105 last night. Ooh. They had scored, I believe, 113 in their opener. I mean, they get up and down the floor, and they get that ball in the hoop. Will any of our teams here locally play them this season? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, wow. So they're, they're a team to keep an eye on, just kind of on the fringe of our viewing area. In terms of the girls last night, uh, some other wins besides Penn destroying Adams. South Bend, Washington honored Mila Reynolds after she went over 1,000 points. Panthers had no problem with Elkhart last night. South Bend Riley picked up a win over Jimtown. Both the boys and the girls did last night. In fact, great night to be able to wave the flag for dear old Riley because they won both the boys and girls swim meet and a boys and girls basketball game at Riley last night. Uh, other girls winners last night, Marion. Marion had that boys-girls sweep as well. The The boys beat Goshen by about 33. The girls beat New Prairie by about 54. So uh, they've got things rolling over there on Dragoon Trail. And that's kind of a rundown of what happened last night in high school hoops. All right. One more headline for you. NBA has five, five games for Christmas Day. Because why would any players want to spend it with their families? Let's get right back after it with a new season. Got to get the TV ratings. And the TV ratings show that fans like to have something on the TV on Christmas Day that's sports. And the NBA is more than happy to accommodate. (laughs) Five. So the marquee matchup of those is Dallas against the Lakers. Dallas has a player, Corey, by the name of Luka Doncic. He is 21 years old, and he is a human highlight reel. He can pass, he can shoot, he is fun to watch. And, of course, the Lakers have a fellow by the name of LeBron James. So you put those two together, the networks feel that's some Christmas magic right there. So Dallas and the Lakers headlining that group of five. I say this with all caution, the season slated to begin (laughs) December 22nd. Training camps opened yesterday. I'm sure your son Caleb will be interested to hear about Kevin Durant. And he plays for the Brooklyn Nets. Mm-hmm. Durant has not played in a year and a half due to all kinds of leg injuries. And he is back. And he said yesterday on the opening day of training camp, learning how to not only walk, but run and jump again cannot be. You cannot possibly overestimate how difficult that has been for him. But he feels like he's ready to go. Okay. Was he a Laker at one point? No. He was with Golden State. That's right. On their championship teams. He started his career with the Oklahoma City Thunder. And he, a lot of people felt that he went to Golden State because he wanted to be on a winner. Mm-hmm. Well, he was. And now he wants to get paid, so he went to Brooklyn. But then... Uh, even before he ever took the floor with Brooklyn, he had these leg injuries. And so people out on the East Coast anxious to see what kind of difference he might be able to make for the Nets, which have been a kind of a floundering franchise here as of late. As the vacuum vacuums, I can hear, we've come to the, almost the end of this broadcast. Except for the award-winning segment. <laughs> It's no. won an award, Chuck? I believe it is. Well, it's been nominated for both a Grammy and a Tony. Wow. Uh, people are trying to make a Broadway play out of overrated, <laughs> underrated. And I'm going to begin today with a little group called 
The Kinks. The Kinks. Overrated. Really? Yes. Despite the fact that they were very influential on the Beatles, from what I'm Um. Okay, but, you know, so was Elvis. So was uh, you're Jerry not saying, Lee Lewis. You're not saying the King is so, overrated, are you? I just think the Kinks get too much credit for, I mean, can you name more than two songs? Well, you really got me, right? Which... Van Halen did a better cover, in my opinion. So there's one. Whoa, I don't know. Them's fighting words there, mister. Um, Let's see. Was Love You Down a Kinks song? I don't know. Okay. Come Dancing was a song in the 80s. Yes. Only because it had some MTV fuel to it. Well, uh, that's been the case for a lot of the artists we've discussed on Overrated, Underrated. Yeah. I don't own a Kinks record. But I, I feel that they're overrated myself. Okay. You? I would say, I know a lot of people who feel like they're underrated. I think they take their influence part into consideration a little too much. I would say right where they right where they are. I'm hearing a guitar riff, but I'm wondering if I'm, I'm mixing groups. Is that the Kinks? Um... Uh, or am I, I confusing with what you I really think, got me? Yeah, I think Hello, I Love You is the Stones, is it not? I'm, uh, yeah. We paused this edition of Sports <laughs> Yeah. I could look it up. To look things up here you, on the internet. Here's what I love about the uh, Spotify is they tell you immediately, all day and all of the night, okay. that is the kinks. All right. Yeah. And Lola, la 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 Lola. Well, which I think more of a... Weird Al Yankovic song of Yoda. Yes, I know you do because you're a big Weird Al fan. You're a bigger Weird Al fan than the Kinks, but I don't think you're giving the Kinks their full attention that they deserve. But that's me. You had something to bring to the table. Uh, It was a Twitter recommendation, and I Mm -hmm. saved it uh, for today. And I found myself last week looking for it amongst my collection and all the streaming platforms. All of the Rocky movies, underrated overrated mm. the franchise as a whole i was looking for rocky four that's got a special place in my heart the night before thanksgiving as well i would say as a franchise overrated how many were there i believe there were seven seven rocky movies if that someone tries that's to throw in those creed that's movies if you include too. creed yes uh-huh. uh, rocky one is terrific it's an Oscar winner. Yes. And the fact that here's this unknown actor, director, scuttles together enough money to tell this story that he has in his heart and makes a movie that really strikes a chord with people. Part of that was time. 1976, America wasn't feeling really good about itself at that point. Right. Uh Part of it is the story, the underdog getting a shot against the champion and having the wherewithal to not have the underdog necessarily win. Right. The but underdog doesn't... No, I'm sorry if I'm spoiling it for you, but it's a 44-year-old movie. But not having the underdog necessarily win, but feel like a winner because they got the most out of themselves. Mm-hmm. Rocky won. Terrific. Rocky three. I think is the pinnacle of the Rocky movies. It's it's yes, it's a little cartoonish, but Mr. T, say what you will about him. 
Mr. T is another person. Nobody had ever heard of this guy before. Right. And creates this persona with Clubber Lang where you're, I remember sitting there in the movie theater fearing for Rocky's life. Oh, I was scared to death. Yeah. And wasn't Mickey like, if you get in the ring, you're going to die. And, and Mickey dies. <laughs> Mickey basically Chuck, dies Chuck, Chuck, of he fright. Gave, he gave that away. That That's too, too, so, too in this episode. I, I thought, and the first time that he, well, whatever. Rocky Three, I think, is a great, <laughs> great Did you like story. Four? I like Four as well. I liked Four. Because Four, again, a product of when it was made. Mm-hmm. Tensions between Russia and the United States could not have been higher than what they were when this was made. And to Dolph Lundgren's credit, I mean, he, well, you see these Ameritrade ads that he's in now. Mm -hmm. First of all, he's kept himself in phenomenal shape. Secondly, he's he's made a great living off of this one character in this one movie. Yeah. And they brought him back in the uh, the second Creed movie, which, by the way, I enjoyed both of those. I think the Creed movies are okay. The problem was the deceleration from four through the rest of the franchise. Oh, yeah. So, Very forgettable. Had you stopped at four and then maybe gone into the Creed movies? Yeah. But five and six were brutal yeah five and six are called sylvester needs a paycheck (laughs) now don't get those confused with the rambo sequels again called sylvester i'm sorry the expendables sequels (laughs) yeah i love seeing carl weathers on the mandalorian i love seeing a resurgent for his career he actually directed the last episode as well as co-starring in it. Wasn't he in Happy Gilmore as well? Yeah. I mean, Carl Weathers has had himself a nice career. Yes, he has. As a as basically a supporting actor. Mm-hmm. But I think the Rocky franchise as a whole, overrated. Again, had they stopped at four, then I'd say underrated. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. I remember watching Tommy Morrison fight a real fight after seeing that Rocky movie. Yeah, Tommy Morrison was it was not good. Not not good as an actor and <laughs> kind of kind of a rough character. God bless him. Uh so where do you come down, overrated or underrated? Uh, on the franchise as a whole. Gosh. Overrated. Okay. Yeah, you're right, though. Huge decline after number four. Oh, like going off a cliff. I would almost give the Creed movies their own. Go ahead and do your thing over here. Of course, they're borrowing characters, but um, yeah. Overrated. Okay. Last one for me. Okay. I gave you the kinks earlier. I'll Overrated. Give you, I'll give you the cars now. Ooh, underrated. Really? Yes. Now, that is a body of work. Hit after hit after hit. I think uh, I think a great example of alternative rock that segued itself into pop rock. Yes. And I would think that they probably, a lot of people don't say it out loud, but their influence on music, I think, plays a huge role. But I mean, they are, if you're, gonna, if you're going to launch a class radio station right now, you better have 
ballpark 10 cars song in the gold category. My best friend's girl. Yeah. Um, you don't think. Uh, you might think. You might think. Um, let's go. Bow, bow, bow. Uh, drive. Um, uh, I can see the greatest hits cover. That, I'm trying to go through the... Uh, That's okay. You, you just named more car songs than you could kink songs. I'm not the one. That's a great song. The thing is, there's some versatility in their work, too. Yeah. It's not all the same thing. I always liked when somebody else would end up singing a song in the band, and uh, they would get a hit. So, like, Rick Ocasek, primary singer. Sure. But then the bass player, Benjamin Orr, steps up. Just What I Needed. There's another one. Yeah. Let the Good Times Roll. Love that song. Uh, My Best Friend's Girl, I mentioned that one. Yeah, I, I would totally say underrated. I'm going to say underrated as well. And here's the thing about the cars. And I don't mean to speak ill of the dead. Because I said this about him when he was alive, too. The fact that you look like Rick Ocasek and can get a supermodel as your wife, tip of the cap. My goodness. You talk about a guy out kicking his coverage. Rick Ocasek... And Paulina Porozkova. That 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 just shouldn't be happening, ladies and gentlemen. It just shows <laughs> the power of being a rock star. I always thought Rick Ocasek looked like the older brother of Howard Stern. Yes, very much so. <laughs> Especially in that picture you have on our screen right now. Yeah, how about that? That's a good one. What did you say? Did you say underrated? Yeah. Okay. The cars. I have to listen to some cars on the way home. There That's you a go. good one right there. See, I'm, I'm glad I can... Prom- and perhaps also very nostalgic. The first song I ever learned on my guitar was um, "I Know Tonight She Comes" by the Cars. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, did you play that on the trumpet as well? Uh, no, no. That was "The Rose" by Bette Midler. Let's not get those mixed up. <laughs> Maybe Bette will be on the next overrated, oh, underrated. One, one could hope. I'll jot that down for our Friday notes. And then I'll lose those Friday notes. (laughs) Thank you. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Hello, James from the Geek Squad in Niles, Michigan. A yak fan, as I've been told. Oh, love a yakophile. Wanted him some Wednesday episode. Here you go, number 263. Until next time, yak fans. Ooga looga, Deion Sanders. Prime time. We've had some fun, yeah, the show is done, now we gotta run, it's Sport Check, Sport Check. Sport Check is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, 
Did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.